and welcome to the Uneasy Terrain Explorers Club podcast, the place where curiosity is welcomed and no topic is too taboo to tread. I'm your host, Jonathan Doe, and today I'm sitting here over Skype with the mastermind behind the Traces of Death series and the founder of Brain Damage Films, Darren Ramage. How are you doing today, sir? I am doing fantastic. <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk today. I think we're going to have a pretty good conversation. I, you know, we're talking about traces of death, so it's going to be a kick-ass conversation. <laughs> so I guess one of my first questions is, what got you interested in extreme and underground cinema? I have, um, I was one of those kids when I was young that was into the far-off, far-obscure, uh, far-fetched kind of, you know, kind of, uh, of, of video footage. I mean, I've, I've always been a, a big fan of horror, obviously. And, uh, you know, the first time I saw Inhumanities and Death Scenes and uh, Faces of Death, I've always been intrigued by them and always had a, you know, whether you want to call it a morbid fascination, I just call it a fascination uh, with, uh, you know, with those scenes, you know, and, and the gnarlier, the grosser, the sicker, the more violent that they were, the more I got excited about it. So when I used to watch these films, the death scenes in Humanities, you know, Mondo Connie's, I mean, I've, I've you know, seen them all. Uh, I always turned the volume of the television off because I don't really care to hear Francis B. Gross on the face of the death, you know, talking about, you know, some, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, different types of uh, medical uh, talk, you know, talking very medically and everything else. I don't want to listen to that. I would turn on my, you know, my death metal music, the cannibal corpses and, 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 you know, all that kind of good stuff. So when the opportunity came around and I got into the distribution side of this business, I was like, well, man, I, 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 I think we should make one of these. I think we can make one of these. Uh, I, I think I can make one better than anybody else has made because I, I mean, I'm the one that watches these things. I've been watching them for a long time. And that's why I want to put death metal music as the soundtrack. You know, we'll do a little bit of dialogue here and there, you know, maybe just giving a little description of some of the footage. But other than that, I don't, I don't want to listen to, I don't want them to hear me talk. Just put some kick-ass fucking sound music to it, some soundtrack music to it, and I'm good to go. <laughs> so that's what, I, that's what I did for Traces of Death. But I've been, I've been watching these things, God, since I was, 12 probably 11 12 years old uh big fan of horror films but then anytime i could get my hold my hands on something like death scenes or the inhumanity mondo connie faces the death that you know that's what i was watching so how did you meet damon fox and get involved in the traces of death films um you know i can't remember exactly how i got in contact with damon fox initially uh I, you know, off the top of my head, I really, I can't. Of course, that's why they call me brain damage. But um, I, I can't remember uh, how we first met. But we had a, uh, a good friendship, you know, and a strong kinship. We were, uh, you know, going through and, and, and he had a bunch of footage. I had a bunch of footage. So we just kind of put it together and said, I think we can do something with this. Uh, you know, he did the voiceover on, I think he did part, part one and part two. Uh a little more campy than, than is my flavor, uh, which is why three, four, and five don't have that kind of a of a uh, you know a voiceover narrative you know, dialogue to them because I just 
I'm not big into campy kind of stuff. I don't like really campy horror films. I, you know, I'm into the more extreme, uh, extreme and, and real. Uh, th- th- that's just, it's just my, you know, it's what I, what I prefer to have, what I prefer to watch. So like I said, I can't remember exactly how we got in contact, but me and her, I mean, when we put the first one together, it was, it was, it was a magical thing. There was no question about it. I mean, just, you know, working together and coming up with the scenes and putting these scenes together, uh, to create, you know, sections, if you will, that, you know, here's all the car crashes and not just throwing the footage in there, but actually, uh, you know, editing it, uh, bringing it right down to the specific frame where we wanted it to end uh, so that you saw everything you needed to see. But I don't really care about when the ambulance comes and, and, and drives off. I don't need to watch the ambulance driving off for 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as, the, as soon as the bloody you know guy from the car accident, as soon as he's in the ambulance, I can't see anything, then on to the next. And that was one of the big, big differences between Traces of Death and all the others is that all you get on Traces of Death, most of the other films, like Death Scenes, Inhumanities, uh, Faces of Death, the original, uh, you know, they they might have, you know, 15, 20 different scenes uh, in each film. And that's about it. Because they talk about them, you know, and they they introduce the whole scene and, and all this stuff. Uh, Traces of Death doesn't do that. Traces of Death shows you the violent gore and then moves on to the next scene. That's it. So there's literally over 100 scenes in each of the Traces of Death, meaning on average, each one of them is less than 30 seconds long. So all you're getting is the hardcore in your face, uh, you know, cover your eyes. But if you do, you're going to be covering your eyes a hundred times throughout this film because it does not give you any time to rest, if you will, relax. You know, it's it's 75 minutes of just onslaught, not only audio uh, with, with the metal music, but visually with the death scenes. So I, I, I honestly think that, you know, that's the way I like it. That's why I'm a big fan of the traces to death, even though it's kind of, uh, I'm kind of biased, obviously, because I made them. But uh, that's why I think they're, they're the best of the series and, and it's why we get a lot of acclaim over the years and it continues. I mean, I, I, I think that we're getting real close to the 25th anniversary of the first one. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's going to be, in fact, I think it'll be in 22 off the top of my head right now. So we're like two years away from the series being 25 years old and I still it's still one of my top sellers. We still sell the five pack DVD set, uh, you know, that has all the bonus footage on it. Matter of fact, that's where Traces of Death Six uh, went. Instead of creating Traces of Death Part Six, we took the footage that would have been Part Six and put it onto the DVDs as bonus footage in the uh, in the last parts of each part. Each part. So part one has about 10 to 15 minutes. Part two has each one of them has 10 to 15 minutes of bonus footage. You compile all that together. That was Traces to Death 6. Well, I mean, you you really put in put in the work with that set. I, I have the set and it's amazing. I I watched the entire thing through for a review that I did for my channel. And it was, you right. guys, there's all those special features that you guys put in and you guys just did a really good job uh, with that release. And I mean, I you're... Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I think that that's another reason that that you know we we've done we've done well with the series is that you know most of the people that that you know are are, are you know putting these kind of projects together they just kind of throw them together they don't have the, they don't have real passion 
for what it is. They just think they can make some money with it. And, you know, I have passion for this and I want it to be as, 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 as quality as it can be. Uh, you know, I didn't shoot the footage. I, I'm not the one that, you know, that, that I didn't direct the footage or anything like that. So, you know, I, I, my hands are kind of tied about uh, necessarily the quality of the footage. My hands are tied, but trying to make the packaging, you know, that five disc series, you know, with the outer wrap and each DVD sleeve, I mean, and everything else, it's just, it, it, it's top notch. And, and, and the quality is there as, as absolutely as good as it can be. Um, you, you, uh, Damon or Damon Fox narrated the first two films and then you would take right. over as host, um, in, in the last, the last films. Um, and I was wondering why, why that change happened. Well, one of the things that happened while we were in production of part two, uh, I had gotten, uh, some people who had, uh, had gotten in touch with me who were actually some of the camera guys that, that actually shot some of the footage. Oh, wow. That we used. And, uh, you know, they were, they were pumped. They thought it was great. They thought it was exciting and everything else, but were a little, they were a little bummed, if you will, I guess they were just a little bummed that they didn't get any credit for it. And not necessarily that they wanted credit, you know, their name, involved with it because of the kind of footage that we're talking about a lot of people don't want their names associated with it uh but just simply as crazy as it sounds just simply a thank you uh and and come to find out that the footage that was you know had been kind of trampled on if you will had not been uh had not been uh, acquired uh properly or been given the at least the verbal okay uh, I, I'm just, that's, that's the way I do business. Uh, you know, it's public domain footage. So do you have to ask somebody for permission? No. Uh, do you have to, you know, anything like that? No, you don't have to do any of that kind of stuff. It's just, that's the way I do business. Um, I'm not going to use something that isn't mine unless I ask. Uh, so I did and, and, and didn't have a problem with it. Uh, and so it was the reason why, uh, right in the middle of traces of death, uh, part two, uh, during the production of it, that we decided to part ways. So we finished off part two, and then that was it. Uh, because he, Damon, just didn't really feel like uh, that that was necessary uh, to do. So I did. Uh, so that's when I, I, I brought my the character, Brain Damage, back, put him on screen, and, you know, and, and had him do... Uh, a little dialogue and give thanks to these guys for, for, you know, being out there and, 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 and shooting this kind of footage and having this kind of footage, you know, they're they're They make their money just fine because they use that. They sell that footage to the news channels. Mm -hmm. The news channels cannot show all of the footage though, obviously, uh, you know, because it's on, it's on broadcast television. So, you know, they can just show little bits and pieces of it and they can't show the heavy hardcore gore of it, but I can. And, uh, and, and so, you know, we just, we had a little bit of a difference there. Uh, it was, it was really kind of cool because we kind of parted ways, uh, and there was, you know, not, not, not a whole lot of love between us, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then about, I want to say it was probably 15 years ago now that or 10 years, 10, 15 years, there was a, uh, Fangoria weekend of horrors in Pasadena, California, 
and we were exhibiting brain image films was exhibiting and you know promoting our new releases and traces of death and everything else and damon fox was there and i got to sit down with him have a couple of drinks with him and uh we just you know kind of uh you know cleared cleared any bad air that there was between us it was really really cool yeah that's that's good that you guys were able to kind of to sort everything out and be on good terms yeah again. Um, so there, there is, I feel like kind of like a difference between, um, uh, Damon and you, uh, in terms of the films, cause the first film kind of has more of that campy narration that you, you talked about, but in part right. three and, and moving on, it's just that kick-ass like death metal soundtrack. Um, and part three, you've got bands from relapse records. And then in part four, you've yeah. got nuclear blast. And I was wondering how did you partner with both of those record companies to get those bands to be a part of the films? Well, and then on part two, it was Century Media. I mean, even though Damon Fox was still doing the voiceover, mm -hmm. I actually brought in Century Media. Uh, let's see, was it um, Morgoth uh, was one of them. Morgoth Unleashed was one of them. Anyways, there was like four bands we picked up from Century Media. You know, it was just, it was, it, it was not a difficult thing to do. It was just a matter of picking up the phone. Uh, many of them, Century Media, Relapse, Nuclear West, they were all familiar with brain damage films and being, you know, hardcore with the horror stuff and everything. So that helped tremendously. And we worked out a very simple, easy deal. Uh, you know, the, the, they, they allowed me to, to use their uh, music uh, of specific bands that they wanted to promote. And they allowed me to put them on to uh, the Traces of Death series. They released soundtracks, I believe it was for part three and part four, uh, they released relapse in you know, nuclear blast released, uh, actual soundtracks, CD soundtracks for them. So that was their way of earning money and compensating, uh, the producers, you know, the, the, the bands and everything else. And then I think it was on some three or four. I can't remember which one, uh, one of the bands, one of the bands actually wrote a song called trace of the death. It's pretty oh, cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So it was just a matter of getting a hold of them, uh, and, you know, and talking to, you know, their, their rights, uh, you know, the rights management uh, team at each one of them. And like I said, they were really, really cool to work with. They were really easy to work with. Uh, they were really excited, you know, to see that, 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 you know, that their bands were going to be uh, put onto something, you know, like the Traces of Death. Uh, you know, I was the first one to ever use or ever actually put Meshuga out into the marketplace. I was the one that basically I did I didn't bring them, obviously. Uh you know, the label brought them here and everything else, but uh I was I was definitely uh you know very key in in in, in bringing Meshuga here to the United States. That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean I was I rewatched it and I was like I think that you mentioned like corn, like a bunch of bands that are like now like really big um, kind of had their start on. on corn has already done their thing, you know. What I mean, yeah. corn was a little bigger than that, but you know, we used, like I said, we used a lot of bands, and and some of them have, some of them have gotten really big, you know. And and you know, I don't take claim to their success. That's that's mm -hmm. bullshit. You know what I mean? I'm not going to do that. But uh, you know, the fact that we used them when nobody else was using them, we had to be a little part of the, you know of their success, and and. You know, I don't make any claim to it. It's just I think that it's very cool. I'm glad to help them, and they've helped me. You know, keep these things alive. Yeah, yeah. 
So traces of death originated before there was really the influx of like uh, shock sites like Rotten.com and Best Gore. And so those are kind of the places now where you can really access that kind of material. Um, but right. I was wondering, how did you guys get access to that kind of content uh, before before it was so easily available? You know, I, like I said, we we had found we we I had footage. Damon had footage in the beginning, and we had got this footage from just you know friends, uh, you know people that we knew and that he knew, people that I knew. Uh, I was already in the film and the video industry, so you know, and, and given the fact we did a lot of horror films, you know, I knew a lot of the guys on the underground who you know did bootleg stuff uh you know some you know bootleg of, of japan kick-ass japanese films you know and so that the people in america could see these things yes it's bootleg and it's not the right thing to do i'm in distribution and believe me i don't like you know bootleg stuff but you know if if if, if the product's not available to you mm-hmm. uh in the area then you know i i want to see it so that's how I got connected in with all the people I got connected in. I don't know how Damon did his, uh, but that's how I got, you know, connected up with all these people. Uh, and then it was all done via videotape. I mean, literally, that's how, you know, just VHS. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. footage was on VHS. And, you know, they sent me the VHS tapes, all these kick-ass scenes. You know, I mean, I have thousands of these cassettes, you know, VHS cassettes. Still, I have these. <laughs> I gotta go get my. I gotta go get my VCR repaired if I'm gonna actually play them. Uh, but you know, I've got these VHS tapes, and you know, some of them have one scene, two scenes, maybe three scenes on them. Uh, and so I've just collected this footage from for all over these years, and uh, I had been doing it for quite a few, quite a while, uh, a good five or so years. I'd been, I'd been uh, holding on to these things until we finally. So it's like I'm going to do something with these, make some, you know, get it out there, and you know, and do it in a way that that the the true connoisseurs, the fans, the true fans of the shockumentary type films, that you know, they're going to hold this up as 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 their savior. This is the one. Yeah. This is the best. You know, uh, it's in your face. It's meant to be in your face. You know, it's, 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 this is not meant to, this is the soccer mom does not need to watch my films just to see if she can handle it. Uh, (laughs) not the case at all. There's a lot of hardcore horror fans that still can't handle the traces of that series. Yeah. Just can't. Um, what I was curious about is like we you were just talking about it that Traces of Death has kind of become like the gold standard of shockumentary real gore kind of cinema. Um, but what right. was the what was the reaction when they when it was first released? Um, <laughs> this is what's funny, and this has to do with the marketing side, uh, you know. And that's what I tried. Like I said, that's what I tried to do to Traces of Death. I tried to bring the series up into literally being treated like it was a mainstream horror film. Uh, the distribution, you know, the packaging, the design of the packaging, the the, the the pitch, the presentation, the press. And this was what was big because, mind you, this is 20, you know, this is 22 years ago that mm-hmm. these things came out. The Internet was there, but it was like, you know, shit, if you were getting 256K <laughs> Internet speed, you, you know, everybody wanted to hang out at your house. You had fast Internet. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Uh, you know, this was, you know, it was just a different day and age and time. But what we did, this was back in the day when Sally, Sally Jesse Raphael, Phil Donahue, uh, Maury Povich, all of these talk shows, 
uh, were huge. I mean, they were big daytime business uh, on television. Uh, and obviously, and then, of course, the wonderful Oprah Winfrey uh, had her show. So what I decided to do is, you know, I, I've got to come up with a way to market this thing and get it out there because, you know, the gold standard is face of death. And to me, I mean, face of death, it's the original, you know, and even though they're fake, they're not real, they're, it's staged reenactments, mm-hmm. although they, you know, they don't really pitch it that way, obviously, uh, but it is. Uh, you don't you don't get the same scene in five different camera angles. Yeah, yeah. When 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 you're doing when you're you know catching a live event, uh, car crash and and things like that, you, you don't have different camera angles. So anyway, uh, and I, I met the guy uh, that did uh, the trades uh, face into death part four. Uh, I actually met him at a trade show, a video trade show back in the day, uh, and he was talking about possibly having even brain damage films release the face of death. Uh, and I, you know, now I, I, I'm not, I don't want to do that because I'd already released Trace of the Death Part One uh, to to big time acclaim. You know, a lot of the people who were really into this kind of stuff were just like, this is this is it, this is the one. So, like I said, I just I wanted to treat the series uh, legitimately, not just something thrown together and ah, uh, we'll just throw this out there and see how it does. You know, I, I wanted to you know get the music to it, get a soundtrack to it. Uh, digitize the footage and get that footage as absolutely clean as we possibly could uh, and, and just and then treat it for what it is. And I think that's the major reason that it's held on to this day because of that. You know, I, I, I really did believe that, you know, everybody knows Faces Death and that's fine. I understand that. It was the, you know, the grand poobah of the shockumentary, ser- uh, you know, of the phenomena of, mm-hmm. of shockumentaries. So, but I wanted Traces of Death uh, to 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 stand up to it, and 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 I wanted it to be the best that I had ever seen, and and it still is. Uh, I don't think that there'll ever be anything more like it, uh, because back then, you know, you didn't have the internet. Yeah, you, you, you weren't. You didn't have footage all over the internet like you do now, and you know, I mean, there there's still more footage out there that you don't find on the internet. Uh, but it's 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 a lot less obviously than than it used to be 22 years ago. So I don't know, and I've been asked a ton of times, you know, about traces of F Part Six, and as I always say, you know, the bonus footage. If you compile all the bonus footage on parts one through five of the DVD in the box set, uh, then you know that that is traces of F Part Six. So even though there really isn't a trace of F Part Six, if there was going to be one, it would be a bitch to put together now because most of the footage uh, is online. So, you know, uh, you know the, the difference, the one difference is, and I always say this to people, like, you know, hey, you can see some of these scenes online. I'm like, yeah, that's right, you can. And I'm sure, especially in this day and age, that you can. But to put it together as a compilation with the soundtrack, uh, cleaning up that footage as best as possible, editing it properly with, you know, so that it's an actual true, true edit with the scoring, uh, and, and making work. That's what makes Traces of Death different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely stands out. I mean, there's all kinds of, like, real gore compilations that people have taken from, like, the YNC.com and stuff like that. But but right. Traces but traces of Death is its own... It's, it has its own legacy behind it, you know? And still to this yeah. day, I think people who even look at that stuff online, it's a whole different experience watching the Traces of Death series. Exactly. That, that you just said it perfectly. 
That is exactly what I'm what I'm saying. It's it's a different experience when you watch the traces of death. You could see the same footage, but you had to hunt it down. You had to look for it. You had to find it. You had to watch a bunch of shit that didn't matter uh, to get to the good stuff. And I just I just bring the 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 worst of the worst, if that's the way you want to consider it. But uh, as I consider it, it's the best of the best. I want the best best footage i wanted to edit it down i want it to be as cleaned up as clean as possible i want to kick out soundtrack with it uh you know and 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 that way i can enjoy you know 75 minutes uh, an hour and a half you know 90 minutes of just kick ass footage back to back to back to back and all i had to do was put the disc in the dvd player i didn't have to click around i didn't have to look around i didn't have to do any of that stuff so that's uh you know that was those are kind of some of the things that that i had my you know were on my thoughts as we were putting together you know the traces of death series uh you mentioned how faces of death is uh pretty much entirely just reenactments and for a lot of like earlier mondo uh cinema like mondo kane and stuff like that a lot of that stuff was was reenactments and so you come to the forefront with uh with traces and it's all real brutal footage. And I was wondering, did you have any concerns about releasing it and ha- running into any legal trouble or anything like that? You know what? Honestly, it was not. I wasn't worried about legal. I really wasn't worried about legal at all. What I was worried about was the religious right. Mm-hmm. That's what I was concerned about, um, which is why I didn't put my, my personal name on the initial release. Um, I did not want, you know, I, I was raised, I was raised in a very, very, uh, religious house, uh, when I was young and, uh, I, I know how crazy that, that a, you know, that, that they can get and, mm-hmm. and emphatical that they can get about this stuff. And so that's why I, you know, utilized the nickname that I had had since I was 14 years old, brain damage. Been my nickname is from accessible SD use. That's where I got my nickname from. And I decided that I was going to use my nickname on, on, uh, on the traces of that series. And, you know, and then like I told you earlier with the uh, whole situation uh, of being, you know, thanking the people uh, that had, you know, taken their time, energy efforts uh, to, to actually, you know, capture these, the footage uh, that they made their money on, like I said, with the news channels and everything else. Uh, but just to thank them, that's when I brought brain damage out and how I created, if you will, that character is, it's basically the same way I looked and dressed, acted everything when I was 12, 13, 14 years old. It's the I, it is the exact same pair of 18 hole ox blood Doc Martens that I wore when I was 14 years old, still have them. And I'm almost fucking 50 now. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. I was actually curious about uh, about your your brain damage alter ego or character that you you do. So. Yeah, you know, I, it really is. I mean, it's uh, it's it's not difficult for me uh, to go like into character, if you will, because it's it's the character is not really a fabricated character. This is how I was. This is how I acted when I was, like I said, twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old. Uh, you know, I was, you know, I pushed, pushed barriers, hardcore. Uh, and again, I mean, I was raised in a very religious household. So I wanted to break away from that. I wanted to get away from that. I didn't agree with it. 
Uh, and so I, I broke away from it. The easiest way to break away from things is to go to the complete polar opposite side. Yeah. Yeah. And so went there and decided that that really wasn't for me either. So I just kind of found my own way, which was basically just, you know, first of all, I don't give a fuck what you think about me. I don't give a fuck about what you think about my movies. I don't. If you don't like them, then don't watch them. And that was my whole thing during the big PR push back when we did Traces to Death 1. To get the promotion, to get people to learn about it, to know about it, because obviously you can't advertise these things on you know, NBC, ABC, CBS. It's not a theatrical release. It's not going to happen. So how are we going to let people know about it? Well, the easiest and cheapest promotion to do is bad promotion because everybody likes to talk about bad things how badly they were treated or how bad you know the product was or something like that so i sent uh, copies of traces to death with letter letters that were written by females that were basically saying i came home and my child was watching this video and this is I, I, this is horrible. I can't believe that this stuff is even allowed to be made. And I sent it off to Sally Jesse Raphael, Maury Povich, Phil Donahue, uh, you know, Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and and some of them picked it up. And you know, hey, we you know we've we've tried to get a hold of this mom. I watched some of the episodes. We tried to get a hold of these, you know, the moms, uh, but we just weren't able to get a hold of her. Uh, but this is this is just I just can't believe this stuff even exists. It's terrible. So negative publicity is the best because it's free. Yeah. So I got all of this nationwide publicity from all of these talk shows. And I didn't pay a dime. I'd pay for postage. <laughs> That's awesome. That was a, that was a genius strategy on your part. I mean, and and that and it. All that yeah, this, effort carries over still. To, this is what I try to bring to the series, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just throw it out there, not lackluster. I want to bring and 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 treat this series as if it is just a, you know, a standard, fair horror feature film uh, with the packaging and the promotion and doing everything, you know, on the straight and the narrow, on the up and ups and, you know, spending the money, spending the time, energy and effort. And, you know, I, you know, not every decision that I've ever made has been successful. I'll guarantee you that <laughs> by any means. I'm just very, very fortunate and very proud that this, you know, many of the things that I did do along the course uh, of the creation and the promotion, publicity, and so forth, and sales of the Trace of the Death series, they worked out very well for us in the long run. And the only way that can happen is if you have passion for what you're doing. It's the only way. Yeah. Um. You talked about your character, Brain Damage, but you're also yeah. the founder of your company, Brain Damage Films, and I was wondering what you could tell us about the origin of starting that company and and what your inspiration well, was with that. The Brain Damage Films came about, my first company that I had created was actually called Dead Alive Productions. Mm-hmm. And I had actually, believe it or not, I actually created that before the film, Peter Jackson film, Dead Alive, uh, was released here in North America, which if you have not seen, I mean, I'm sure you have seen yeah. Dead Alive, uh, you know, but it, I, I actually had that poster and I used to point to the picture all the time because, you know, I, I already had my, when I got that poster, I already had Traces of Death 1 and 2 had already been released. So I'm like, this is the name of my company, Dead Alive Productions, but I didn't steal it from them. 
<laughs> take it from them. Uh, not my thing. So anyways, uh, my first company was Dead Live Productions and I had, uh, I had partners and, uh, you know, I thought that was the greatest thing in the world, uh, given the time, but after eight years, uh, it was a nasty, nasty divorce, uh, half a million dollars. I mean, it was very expensive lawsuits. Uh, they tried to, my ex-partners tried to make claim that the traces of death series was theirs. Uh, and so, I mean, it just lawsuits and lots of money. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, I've had to fight battle, uh, you know, to, to keep the series alive and not just that series, but other films that, you know, would produce and, and so forth. So they kept the name of the company, uh, which I was pushing for, but at the, at the time I was pushing for, you know, Dead Alive Productions, but they wanted that. They kept that, which was fine because they'd already basically destroyed to the industry, uh, the uh, production and, and producer, you know, film uh, filmmaker industry, they pretty much screwed the name over by screwing so many of these filmmakers over, not paying royalties, not not producing their royalty reports, things like that. So, uh, you know, I, I just said, you know, I want my movies back because they're mine, they're my babies. So I, I want my movies back, and uh, and so when uh, when I had this, you know, nasty divorce with my ex partners. Uh, I had sat down and had a serious, serious sit down conversation with myself staring in the mirror saying, you know, what am I going to do now? Am I going to stay in this industry? Am I going to stay in this business or am I going to go, you know, sell something else, you know, sell drugs, pharmaceuticals, something like that. You know? mm-hmm. So I made up my mind uh, that uh, that I wanted to stay in the business. I wanted to stay in the industry. I, I enjoyed it. I felt like I belonged here uh, in doing it. And uh, so I started up my, my distribution business first because I'm a strong believer that the dis- having the distribution of the content is more important than making it. Uh, because if you make it, then you're going to go out and try to find somebody else to handle your distribution. Well, that somebody else can screw you over, not pay you, da 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 mm-hmm. uh, So I had always strongly believed that distribution was the key to the success uh, in filmmaking. So started up my distribution business again. Uh, got it rolling, got it jumping off the ground. We were doing really good. And then I said, okay, now it's time for our, our distribution is big enough that it's, we can get a film brought in here, package it up, release that film and be successful with it because we know our distribution, uh, stronghold is, is big enough. We had a good footprint out there, uh, in the marketplace before I created it. So when I sat down to do my, my new label, uh, I said, well, what am I going to call my new label? I had Dead Alive Productions, but I didn't own the name anymore, so I couldn't use Dead Alive Productions. I sat down and started really, really thinking about it. And I go, you know, one of the big big things that it's going to happen to this label uh, in the next you know, year or so will be the re-release of the Traces of Death series on DVD. So, you know, that's that's brain damage. Let's bring character in, you know, da 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 Like, you know what? Brain damage films. Because that, that, that's the reason that this this label is even existing is because of brain damage with the Traces Death series. So let's just call it Brain Damage Films, and uh, so that's what we that's what we went with, and 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 it's boded very well for us. You know, we've we've done very well. I mean, the character going to horror conventions and things like that, the character gets treated like a rock star. I mean, you know, signing tits, signing asses, you know, chicks and everything else. I mean, it's crazy absolutely crazy 
but you know it's fun i always try to have fun with it i always try to treat the gore hounds uh like friends you know this is a business and everything else but that's darren's job darren's job is to run a business brain damages job is to promote the films talk with the filmmakers talk with the producers see what they like what films they have seen in the theaters and what are the scenes that they liked what they didn't like about the different uh the different films and stuff like that so that's why it works out really well for me uh because i'm both of those and i so i get information from both sides from the industry side the business side marketing you know on the up and up uh but i also you know will will sit down with a, a gorehound fan and and have you know a two-hour conversation with them about what they like what they don't like what films they're you know that they think are you know the best and because everybody's got a different you know attitude towards towards films they like and scenes that they like and not so you know it's just giving them the respect that they don't normally get from other people i mean that's that's awesome too because i mean especially you would know definitely being someone who's uh, interested in this kind of content, we kind of alienate ourselves from like the mainstream world. Correct. And so it's really cool to be able to sit down and talk with someone, especially like someone who's made it made such an impact in the industry, like you have, to talk about all this stuff. So that's really cool yeah. that you go into co- conventions and talk to people like that. Oh, it's you know, and like I said, and what makes it easier for them to openly talk to me to me is that it's not me; it's brain damage. Yeah. So they're talking this you know this this fucking you know rock and roll punk rock looking fucking dude that they think looks cool as fuck and that's who they're talking to so they feel like they're sitting down talking to one of them mm-hmm. somebody that's like them somebody that is uh you know anti-authoritarian and you know anti you know staying away from from the big crowds and staying away from mainstream it's just not my thing it's not you know and and and, and honestly i'm fucking 49 years old I, I, I still think that way. I, I still think mainstream is fucking ridiculous and stupid and and and, and, and I'm not interested really in being around it. Uh, but that's the brain damage mentality. You know, Darren Ramage, uh, if you will, uh, I like to make money and I like to live comfortably and have nice things and brain damage doesn't give a shit about that. So kind of weird. <laughs> But it's definitely it's definitely having dual personalities. It's it's what it is, and uh, and I treat it that way because there's no question about it. Brain damage is not a, just a character. That's me. I just don't dress like that every day. Well, you've you've found a way to really embrace like all all sides of who you are as a person, and I think that's really cool. It is cool. <laughs> it is cool. You know, I mean, I can. I, uh, you know, I can, I can run business and, you know, wear the suits and ties, although my suits and ties look a little different from everybody else's. Uh, you know, I've got, you know, my suits look like, you know, they're fitted perfectly and just like you would, you know, a $5,000 suit, uh, they're completely fitted and everything else. It's just, I have mine made, uh, and you know, they've got skulls and crossbones and blood and guts and all kinds of stuff all over them from far away they look kind of celtic if you will but as you get closer you realize that <laughs> you know that that's what it is but and that's why you, it kind of looks people people are, are really t- kind of taken aback they just are like wow because the suits and my shoes my watch everything is high line top notch real deal high-end shit but what you're actually seeing is a perfect suit, perfectly fitted, 
high-end stuff, but what the souk is made of and the fabric that it's made of and what is pictured on that fabric is completely abnormal. You've never seen anything like the suits that I have. Nobody has. I because I, I I I made these things. That's awesome. for that purpose. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so talking about brain damage films, uh, you would redistribute uh, Traces of Death, putting it on DVD. But you also yes. release released a lot of other shockumentary films. One one I want to really talk about is the Band in America films, and I was wondering yes. what you could tell us about that series and and. It's pro- it that being- series, um, you know, in the day, distribution I, I owned uh, I, I, with my ex-partners. We had distribution, and we had distribution first before we, you know, started to release movies on our own label, uh, or on my label, Brain Damage Films, um, or Dead Alive Productions back in the day. So, uh, what was I saying? Uh, we're talking about Band in America. Yes, Band in America. Stephen Anastas was his name. Stephen Anastas. He was the one who created the Band in America series. Uh, and me and him, uh, we had a good relationship. Uh, he had started up a distribution business very similar to mine. Uh, just, you know, I was handling other people's content, not just my own. I was distributing other people's films uh, and not just other producers' films, but other labels that released films, legitimate, you know, sci-fi, horror uh, you know, uh, you know, real hardcore action type films, violent action films, things like that. I had already been picking these films up from other labels that were, you know, legitimate uh, labels that were selling their films to Blockbuster and Hollywood Video and things like that in the past. I would, I would pick up films from them and sell them to the mom and pop video stores. So I wasn't just handling my own content; I was handling other people's content. Steven, uh, he started up his own distribution. It was really just his own content, and that was his demise. In the end, uh, but he saw Traces of Death. That's the reason he made Band in America is Traces of Death. That's why all of these, many taboos of death and, and all of these ones, anything after Traces of Death uh, are, are a spawn of the Traces of Death because of the success. Mm-hmm. I mean, we made, we made a lot of money. Me and my partners, we did. We made a lot of money on it when it was first released. Uh, they blew that money and stole that money, but it's, you know, whatever. That was then. This is now. It's 20 years ago. Forget about it, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, so I knew Stephen Anastas really, really well. Um, AEG was the name of his company. And, uh, you know, because I, I, for my sales and my sales force, we would buy units of, of uh, Band in America uh, at wholesale and turn around and sell those to our stores. So, you know, we were doing good business with this. So I was very familiar with his product, Impact 911, Band in America, Paramedics. Uh, all of those uh, were uh, films that he had put together. Uh, and, and, and he, not necessarily a, 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 a gorehound fan of the shockumentary, he was definitely doing it uh, because he saw it as a way to make money. Uh, and he did okay. He did all right. Uh, I ended up, uh, because of the relationship I have with him, when he decided to shut the doors, and uh, he actually moved from San Diego up to Iowa, somewhere in Iowa or Utah, Utah, somewhere in Utah. He moved to somewhere in Utah, which is really weird, and started up, opened up, and started a Harley-Davidson dealership up there is what he's doing now. So I, we worked out a deal, and I bought in per- perpetuity the copyrights to all of his films. So I own the largest library of documentary films in the world. Yeah, I know. I mean, you guys have 
you guys have distributed more shockumentaries than I've seen anybody. Like, like brain damage films is anytime I look at my shockumentary collection, brain damage films is the, <laughs> is the distributor. <laughs> well, and that's why I say what's really cool about it is, is that we're, that's not all who we are. We're mm. not, it's not just that, but you know, because we are, you know, you know, the, the shockumentary stuff is, is, is big of a catalog and everything else we have for that. It, it really only constitutes about 10% of our business. That's it. Mm-hmm. Our business is mainstream is the mainstream horror films, you know, the independent, uh, horror films and trying to get these films into, uh, you know, uh, you know, Netflix and, you know, obviously it's not video stores anymore. Uh, but it's, it's, it's getting the product out there. And, uh, that's why I started up the the new horror channel, Tra- uh, Terror, uh, Terror TV, mm-hmm. TerrorTV.com. Uh, and then I started up a, a, a lower, a more PG version of it because it's a subscription service because obviously the footage is pretty freaking hardcore. So it's got to be subscription service. But we started up uh, a, a more a PG version by cutting the shit out of the films, which drives me nuts. That's why I don't really like the channel. But... Uh, but it, but it's advertising, and so you watch a couple of ads, and you get to watch the film. Uh, to run those ads, though, to get those people to run those ads on there, we have to cut the film way down. Uh, so you know, it's it, it's good for introductory purposes or whatever. But I, as a horror fan, there's no way in hell I'm going to watch a cut version of an independent horror film. Not happening. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, it, it 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 gives the filmmakers another way to one make money. Uh, that they had never thought about before. I'm taking your feature film and I'm cutting it down drastically because I know I can make money for them doing it that way. So I'm creating something for them that they're going to make money with that they didn't have to do anything to get. So I'm, I, you know, I bring those kind of things to the table when uh, when I'm working with the filmmakers. So. Uh, you know that, but that's where that all comes from. Uh, the Band in America series, paramedics. Like I said, I've got a bunch of them. There was another company on top of that, the the uh, Faces with a Z, Faces of Death 2000 series. Yeah, I was going to uh, ask you have, about that series because I have all of all of those, and I was there's not a lot of information about them, so I figured you're the best no, best man to ask another, on that. That's a, that's another series uh, that I. Same situation as Anastas. I knew the guy really, really well. In fact, I spoke to him again just about a year ago. He contacted me, just touching base, seeing how things were going. He's not in the industry anymore, uh, has nothing to do with the industry, anything else like that. Uh, But on his way out, he said, hey, you know, you're still around. You're going to be around. Uh, You know, do you do you want you want to buy me? So I bought him. So that's that's and and that's be the reason. And I'm still out there looking for. Uh, the owners of the death scenes and inhumanities, uh, which are two just awesome, especially death scenes, uh, are just just absolutely awesome, awesome shockumentary films. Yeah, so I, I've one, of these, seen... one of these days I'll find them. <laughs> I uh, I own Inhumanities one and two, but I have been, I've been having a hard time trying to find death scenes. So if you got mm-hmm. one, two, and three, yeah. So it'd be awesome if you guys were able to put them out. That'd be really cool. Uh, God, I would freaking love that. I mean, they also, which is why I love the Death Scene series, because one, it's in your face. Mm-hmm. And it's called Death Scenes. <laughs> uh, you know, this is not, they're not trying to sugarcoat anything. And the quality, they, they cleaned up their footage really, really good. I mean, the footage that they got of Vic Morrow, uh, you know, the guy from uh, the Twilight Zone who got his head chopped off in the helicopter. Uh, 
their footage that they have of that is uh, from death scenes is you know some of the cleanest best footage that you can actually slow down and see his head get chopped off I mean, you're still far far away but you can you know frame for frame you can freaking see his head getting <laughs> chopped off by a helicopter it's fucking badass it's yeah absolutely it... badass. anyways but their packaging is nice it's clean it's crisp uh they just to me after traces of death who holds the second second prize death scenes <laughs> Well, I definitely gotta get my hands on it then. And I and I looked up and I tried to see that helicopter footage, and th- what I found was so low quality, I couldn't really see anything. So yeah, I definitely yeah, it's, it's 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 death scenes. It's <laughs> got the cleanest cleanest fucking footage. Uh, I don't even know. If, I don't even think death scenes was ever released on DVD. I mean, it's just, and I, I, I'm almost positive in humanities, it's not been put out on DVD. So, you know, even though DVD is definitely, you know, not. Uh, there, it, you know, there's not a big demand for you know hard disc uh, content as much as there is, but that's why I started up Terror TV because subscription service is the only place that you can see traces of death online. Yeah, I mean I'm de- I definitely am with you. I don't really support bootlegs in any way. Like if if it's available uh, in any other form, that you need to get it. it. Okay, you got to pay for it. But the, but. Uh, I have Inhumanities, but I've got uh, I've got bootlegs of them that are VHS transfers. It's because you can't. It's because you ain't gonna buy them anywhere else. You can't. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, like I said, I don't have. You know, I, I don't have a problem with bootleg. I really don't. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't like piracy. Piracy to me is bullshit. That's that's when you are stealing something that you could easily get and pay for. Mm-hmm. Bootleg is I've got something that's available everywhere else, but it's not available here. Yeah. Or maybe it's not only available in a few places, but it's not available here in the United States. You know, you're doing a service is what you're doing. And especially to the horror community uh, and people like myself, you're doing a service to me because you've found these films and these are badass movies, Men Behind the Sun, uh, you know, out of Japan. It's just a freaking badass uh, badass series, Men Behind the Sun series, things like that. They're, they're, they're not available here. You can't buy them here. They're, they're not anywhere. And yeah. if you went over there and bought them over there, you couldn't play them on our DVD players over here because it's a different region. Yeah. So, you know, I, I that's why I say I, I have a problem with piracy. I do not have a problem with bootleg. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got a really, like, I'm, I'm really into shockumentaries, especially like the Asian stuff, like Death File and uh, Death Press and stuff like that. And the only way you can get those is through bootleg. Bootleg. So. That's it. That's what I'm saying. That's why I don't have a problem with bootleg. <laughs> you know, if it's something you want to see, but you cannot get it, especially in this day and age with the internet, if you can't get it, well, then that, that just opens up the door wide open. And I, I consider it, I'm appreciative of what these guys do. I'm not mad at them. I'm appreciative of the bootleggers because they're the only ones that have copies to these films that you can't hardly find anywhere so these guys are like librarians almost if you will yeah historians that's how i look at it yeah i did that for a while and i called it like a conservation project like i'm trying to prevent these films from getting lost and gone forever so um talking about kind of uh the what you get what you guys are doing more currently I was looking into kind of like the history of brain damaged films. And I saw that in 2007, there was a pilot for a reality TV show called Gorehounds. 
Um, oh, and I was God, that would have been could... bad. I swear to God. It was an unfortunate thing that my partners, I had two partners in that. And that was probably the downfall. Partners, you know, mm-hmm. don't do that. Uh, partners at the time, and I had a lot of respect for these guys. They did great stuff. As a matter of fact, these guys, the two guys that I got hooked up with, have won awards for their filmmaking. They won awards, and they won awards at a much higher level than the kind of crap we're talking about, although it was for uh, for their cinematography and so forth on, uh, what's the name, Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. They had won multiple awards for their you know, for their, you know, direction and production abilities, uh, on the, on the, on the Sesame street series, you know? So it's, it's kind of weird that, you know, that the guys that did Sesame street would do something like the Gorehounds. <laughs> yeah. It, you're at two totally separate opposite ends of that spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. You know what I mean? So, but anyways, uh, and, and they had brought in a lady, uh, actually the lady, uh, who is well, the lady that's behind, um, what is it, uh, where it's something like uh, Weddingzilla or something like that. Uh, Bridezilla. I can't. Bridezilla, that's it. Bridezilla. Mm-hmm. The lady who had created and was the uh, producer behind uh, Bridezilla brought her in because she, you know, obviously she knows how to format uh, and, uh, you know, and how to produce uh, quality product that the broadcasters are going to be uh excited about you know producing and 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 paying for and so we brought her in so you know i thought these guys you know my partners i thought well man if these guys are hooked up at this level then we we got a good shot at getting this thing out there they swore up and down that they were going to handle the distribution of the gorehound series by themselves they didn't want to hire in a you know a high a high-powered sales rep uh, that knows, you know, these channels and uh, the different platforms and so forth. And so they tried to do it themselves. And that that was not a good idea. Not a good idea at all. Uh, I still say today, because I still, every once in a while, about every three or four months, I'll, I'll watch the, uh, the, uh, the, the trailer uh, to the episode. And I'm like, man, this is just good stuff. It's really, really good. And a lot of people be interested in this. Uh, the horror fans and you know filmmakers because uh, we talk about all those things i mean i'm not just a label i am distribution i own studios i have millions of dollars worth of production equipment editing uh you know uh, encoding i i have everything that you need literally from the concept wake up take a piss in the morning and say you know what i've not seen a movie made about uh witches i want to make a movie about witches so that's called a concept got an idea all the way till you watching it on your computer screen or on your movie screen on your tv screen or on your phone screen i have everything in between to produce and make the films mm-hmm. so you know that that's a big part of of of, of who we are now as a, as a company is that we have the ability to to produce and distribute the films so did that did that TV show just not happen because they couldn't find distribution? Yep. That's a bummer. Oh, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I was I was a little tore up over it and it took me about 2 years to finally come up with the fact of realizing that that that's what the problem was. That these guys had not brought in 
because uh, you know I just I sold videos to video stores that 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 was my business uh, producing films uh, for my label uh, for my distribution company so you know that that was my business I didn't know a whole lot about the broadcast industry and over the next two years you know I started to learn more about it and more about it and more about it and that's when I realized that okay well the problem was that you tried to sell it yourself and it doesn't work that way uh, these buyers uh, at these networks, they have people that, that they count on, that they do business with, and they do business with all the time. And uh, they don't do a whole lot of business outside of that, uh, dealing with the production teams and the companies that they currently work with. Uh, so uh, that's what the problem was. And we, uh, you know, had we brought in a uh, a proper sales representative or approached one of these other companies, which is still amazes me because we had the Brazilla chick right there. <laughs> Ask her for some names of some people network just a little bit, but these guys were so headstrong uh, that they just, you know, it was beyond them. They didn't know how to ask for help. Uh, they were, you know, thought they were bigger than that, you know, uh, and, and I don't believe in that way, shape or form at all. If I need help, I'm going to ask. Yeah. I think that I think that's kind of like you shoot yourself in your in the foot when you mm-hmm. exactly, and that's what happened. That's what happened with the series. It got shot in the foot because they were big-headed fucking idiots. That sucks. But um, talking talking about all all of the materials and things you have uh, to make film, you Brain Damage Films has produced a handful of uh, in. Uh, Independent films, Hell's Highway, yeah. The Vulture's Hell's Eye. Hell's Highway, Death Factory, Goth, uh, Dark Places. That one's kick-ass. Um, yeah, you know, we haven't done it in a while, which is crazy. Uh, I haven't made a film in probably six years. And what really sucks about that is, is over the course of the past four and a half of those six years, I've owned studios. I own the equipment. I own editing. I own everything. And we still haven't made a movie in there so we're, got, we're working on changing that because we've got a, a badass film badass project that uh, we're looking at doing uh over the three weeks uh of christmas when asu arizona state university we are our, our studios are their film school they have their offices on the lots everything i mean it, our, our building has asu's sign on our building sun studios asu uh so we are their film school that's cool. And this is why I say this is it's really cool. And, you know, this is why I say I, I, I like the, you know, being Darren and brain damage because Darren is the one that wears the suit and the tie to go in there and talk with and speak eloquently uh, to those at uh, a company as large as ASU. I mean, yeah, it's a college. It's a company. It's a, it's a business. OK, mm-hmm. their business is teaching kids and they make a lot of money doing that. So uh Worked out a deal with them, with ASU, and they've been in there. They're going to be in there for another two years. I mean, they've been fantastic. They're, uh, they, you know, shoot their capstones and their students shoot, uh, you know, uh, in the facilities. And, and, and it's, it's great. So uh, we are looking to do our first film finally, for Christ's sakes. Uh, and that's going to be hopefully the production is right now. It looks like the production is going to be happening over the three weeks that ASU uh, is not in school. That's awesome. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, Very excited about it. <laughs> for the films that you guys have produced, uh, f- 
for people who are listening who may not be familiar with them, what can you tell us about some of the titles they should check out? Uh, Hell's, let me see, Hell's Highway, Blood Legend, and I, I think Witch's Sabbath was the other one. Those three have Ron Jeremy in them. That's cool. Um, which is cool. He's, he's, he's kind of a, uh, a very good associate. Won't necessarily call him a friend. I hold that, I hold that word uh, tried and true to my heart. Uh, so, but he's a very, very good associate. I've worked with him a couple of times. Uh, great guy. Uh, funny, although his comedy is horrible. Uh, he tries to do comedy stand-up, and it's terrible. Terrible. Uh, but he himself is, you know, he's a funny guy. It's too bad what's happening to him right now with the whole Me Too movement bullshit. Uh, people coming out saying that Ron Jeremy raped him or whatever. Okay, If anybody knows Ron Jeremy well enough, first of all, he didn't have to rape anybody. There's thousands of women that just want to fuck that guy, even though he's ugly as hell. <laughs> Jesus. You, know? you should make every ugly man on the face of the planet fucking have uh, – be excited that he might have a shot with these fucking chicks because, you know, Ron Jeremy is – he's just an ugly fucking guy. He, de- he just is. Uh, that's why they call him the hog because <laughs> he just – he looks like a fucking hog. He just – you know, not, not a good-looking spelt guy. Uh, I, I know uh, – uh, Nick Manning uh, is also a, a very good associate of mine. Now, he used to be a model. He used to be a professional athlete uh, and is now one of the top porn stars that's out there. He's a pretty boy. He's pretty. <laughs> but Ron Jeremy is not. But Ron Jeremy's in a couple of the films, which, you know, it just makes it kind of fun. In fact, I think it was in Hell's Highway. I think we chopped his dick off. Oh, damn. Uh, just to kind of make fun of the whole, you know, Ron Jeremy porn thing in there. Uh, but yeah, you know, Hell's Highway, uh, Kick-Ass, that's just a kick-ass, independent, low-budget, freaking film. Uh, Phoebe Dollar stars in that. Uh, you know, just kids on the highway, car breaks down. We've all heard this story, uh, but we just bring in, uh, I think I think we had, God, what was her name? She's done a bunch of Skinamax stuff that was, uh, shoo, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Anyway, uh so it's got some people in it, uh, and then we've done. Uh, let's see what the next one was. Uh, Death Factory. Death Factory was one of probably our most successful films in our entire library. Uh, the first one, it's it's low budget, it's independent, but it just it delivers. Uh, Tiffany Shepis, actually, who's become pretty pretty well known now uh, in the community horror community, uh, and she's the star. She is the she's the creature feature in uh, in the feature she's a creature awesome. uh, and so uh she she didn't come back for part two uh we had a uh, actually a model uh, who does uh denim jeans model over in uh in asia they love her to death because she's like as white as a ghost that's cool so yeah so they love her. anyway so we've got the uh you know death factory like i said it, that's just a kick-ass story uh, of uh, a creature who, you know, got, you know, fell into some uh, atomic, uh, you know, chemicals or stuff like that and became this this off-the-wall creature. Uh, part two of that was the first part two I had ever done. And interestingly enough on that one is I had director, I brought in the director, Sean Tretta. And Sean Tretta now, he was a local guy here in Arizona. I had already uh, distributed two of his films, uh, Great American Snuff Film, which is just fucking badass, uh, William Allen Grown. 
uh, serial killer fucking badass fucking movie. Badass fucking movie. Make you believe that that what they're talking about in this is true. Actual, true, true, like a story, a true, a real true story when it's all a creation. It's fucking unbelievable. Uh, then his next film that he did was called Death of a Ghost Hunter. And it's still to this day, 15 years later, is one of my most uh, highly top performing films in my library. And so he, after that, had made another film called Frankenstein Syndrome, which was released by MTI years ago. And then right after that, he immediately got scooped up by uh, 12 Monkeys, the sci-fi channel show, to be a writer. Because uh, he, uh, he was a communications graduate out of Arizona State University. So he's really good with his – he's a linguist, uh, which is great for a script writer because you know, they can really, really put their, pour their passion for communications into the script. So uh, he, uh, we brought him on board to do uh, Death Factory Bloodletting, and that's why Death Factory Bloodletting looks like the budget looks like it's ten times the budget of the first one when it wasn't. <laughs> that's cool. That's really cool. It's actually, actually, exactly the same budget, and uh, but just amazing as to what the producer Dustin Lowry, who had worked for me in the sales side of things for. Uh, over a decade, he he jumped on board to produce, and then uh, and brought uh, bring Sean Tretta on board to direct, and it's badass. I mean, Death Factory Part Two is badass uh, across the board. Great packaging, you know, the acting, the storyline picks right up where the other one left off. It brought uh, the creature's brother into the fold, who's like this religious right person. I mean, it just it's just it's just great story. It's just a really really kick ass story. Uh, then Blood Legend, we had Sin Deville, which I just found out, just found out that she uh, actually passed away a couple of years ago. I'd been trying to follow her uh, because I had her. Um, she was the star of Witch's Sabbath. She was the creature in Witch's Sabbath. Uh, and I had her in a couple other films at Blood Legend she was in. And uh, she lived back east. And I told her, I said, hey, if you don't have anything going on or anything, why don't you just come out, come out west, come out this way. Uh, I'll put you in a bunch of films and, you know, we'll have a good time and, 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 you know, do your thing. Um, and she did, she was in a couple of the films and everything. And then literally like disappeared. Literally. It was like just weird. And as much as we tried to get a hold of her online, everything else, we just, it was just like gone. And, uh, I just learned, uh, this like within the last week or so, uh, from actually it was from Dustin, uh, who has uh, moved himself back up to Seattle. He owns uh, a bar restaurant up there now mm -hmm. uh, since he was working for me. But I, I me and him talk every once in a while, and he would tell me, hey, did you hear about Cinda Bell? I'm no. He said, she's dead. She died a couple of years ago. I'm like, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you so, uh, find out what happened? or? No, no, I still don't know. That's crazy. Still don't know. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. It was really crazy. Uh, you know, she had, she had issues, you know, she'd lost both of her parents and, uh, she, you know, she was a stripper, obviously, uh, mm -hmm. in her downtime, making money doing that. And, you know, she just, she had, she's kind of a rough life and, uh, you know, used pharmaceuticals to wake up in the morning and pharmaceuticals to go to sleep at night. And you do that for a long time and it's going to start eating at your brain cells. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, what it was, but anyways, so you know she's been in a bunch of our films, uh, and she was great. She's a kick-ass scream queen. Uh, so that's that's what we got. Well, that's awesome. 
Um, I mean, yeah, I was when I was I was like almost overwhelmed when I was like looking looking up uh, brain damage films because you guys just have so much stuff going on, and yeah, it's pretty awesome that that it's grown from you having to deal with that bullshit lawsuit to suddenly right. you're you're where you're at now is really impressive. Where we're at now, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's uh, it's you know, it's not been an easy road, and it never does get easier. Uh, you know, the distribution business is not what it used to be. We don't have VHS. We don't have DVD. We don't have video stores. And that was uh, that was a big, big part of our business, big part of our business. So we've had to, you know, really get involved with video on demand uh, in a big way across the board because that's, you know, that's the future. That's where it's at. Uh, and I dove in, uh, you know, 14, 15 years ago when it was just just getting started up. I, I dove in. I jumped in with, you know, both feet. Uh, to get my content in on the video on demand channels, um, because I, 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 it was it, to me it was it was just obvious that that's the future of of our industry, and at the same time everybody else was very scared of it because this was all happening at the same time that Napster was getting sued by Metallica for all of the music problems. Yeah. So the video industry was afraid because they were like, well, if you're gonna have, if we have piracy problems with music, you know, we're gonna have that same issue with with films. And, and you're right, you, we're gonna have those same issues. But one of the most successful films that I released, uh, it's called Shower of Blood, was a film that got pirated more than any other film that I have. It got the most horrible reviews than any other film I ever had. But it also was one of, at the time, one of the most successful films I had at the time because everybody knew about it. And, 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 and maybe the film was not the best movie in the world. The production value was, was, was good, very good. Uh, and it, it had a shitload of fucking penthouse, not Playboy, penthouse fucking hottie models in this fucking thing. So, and it was called Shower of Blood. It was a vampire. It was Vampire's House. Uh, and the, the vampire, you know, that portrayed in the film Shower Blood, you know, he was quirky and, and, and kind of campy, which I didn't like. But, you know, you, you, you got through four freaking play, you know, playmates, not even playmates. These are freaking penthouse chicks, you know, the hardcore fucking penthouse chicks, uh, you know, running around naked as hell. That's a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> tits, a tits, good and movie. Blood, tits and blood. <laughs> That's it. Some blood, boobs and blood. <laughs> So, you know, I, I, I'm not, I, I don't have huge issues with piracy. You know, do people pirate our films? Yes. You know what? Thank you. Just make sure you show it to somebody else so to introduce them to, to brain damage films, you know? Um, well, I think, and part of it is there's still a huge community of people who like physical media. So even if someone sees a bootleg of one of your films, if they like it and they're a collector, they, they, there's a high volume of people I think that will still go out of their way to buy a physical the real copy. Deal. Yeah. So absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I, I still sell oh three to three to five sets of traces of death every week. So still. the there's like a rumor that, that that box set is uh out of out of print. Is it out of print or is it just kind of you have to go through it will be out of print and probably in about probably after the first of the year wow. we'll be out. Yeah. Now, I can I... always, always make more. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> uh, you know, something goes out of print because nobody prints it anymore. And whoever printed it the first time went out of business. Yeah. Uh, it's not the case. I mean, I, I could make more traces of that series, uh, you know, more five, five disc set series. I could do that. It's just, it's, 
one, it's not cheap is the problem mm-hmm. uh, because there are five discs to create one unit. There is the outside sleeve. The outside sleeve on the Traces to Death 5-pack costs more than all of the five sleeves, MRA cases, and discs. I mean, each one of those, that, that box on the outside of that thing is like $3 each. That's crazy. It is crazy. It is crazy. I mean, that series, which is why it's one of the most expensive series uh, of all discs that exist. It's one of the most expensive sets. But that's why. It's because, you know, I, I to, to do it the way that it should be done, I don't do it cheap. You know, do you want a Pinto or a Porsche? If you want to watch a Pinto, then go see Faces of Death. If you want to watch a Porsche, watch Traces of Death. Yeah. I, uh... I mean that that's exciting. I think a lot of people listen. A lot of people. I get messages from people all the time asking, because uh, I because I did that YouTube review of it and asking right. if you could get a copy. And I said, well, I I messaged uh, Brain Damage Films directly, and I and right. I got a copy. So that's cool that it's still available, at least at the moment. Yeah. We've so. got you know there 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 there's a couple of sets kind of cruising around, uh, around the facility. You know I probably have ten of them at my house, so I'll probably take a couple of those back down <laughs> back down to the offices. You know, so, uh, you know, but yeah, like I said, probably around the first of the year, they'll be out. And, uh, you know, I'm working on some big, uh, big investment uh, type things, investors and so forth. And if, if some of that stuff goes down, then uh, that will be able to, then I'll be able to afford uh, putting, you know, a chunk of money into the production of the Trace of the series, because you have to do a minimum run. You just can't do one set at a time. You have to do, I have to do a thousand sets. Yeah. Minimum. The minimum run is a thousand sets. That's 5,000 DVDs. That's a lot of DVDs. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about all together. You're, you know, you a lot of money. It's a lot of money being sunk into it. And again, I'm only selling three to five a week. So if I make another thousand of them, it's going to last me four or five years. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's, that's a long time for that amount of money to just be sitting there stagnant. So, you know, if I get some investment money in, then I'll just put, you know, other people's money. They don't mind it being stagnant. They'll make their money back eventually. I don't like my money being stagnant. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess uh, one of my last questions I have for you is as someone who has distributed um, such a significant number of shockumentary films, as well as just brutal exploitation and horror films, um do you personally have like is there a moral line for you is there any subject matter within the genre that that you would never cross or is that there's everything on the table for you i believe in freedom of speech <laughs> <laughs> uh nothing not there I, I i have yet to be i've yet to see something uh and i've seen you know, like i said i've got thousands of tapes of um, thousands of scenes uh, some of which nobody's, some of them nobody has ever seen. Uh, but I have yet to see something that I'm like, you know what? Uh, just that's not cool. That's just not cool. Uh, you know, it, it, it's life and death. Okay, and that can happen to anybody, race, color, creed, uh, female. Uh, you know, whether you're a nice guy or you're an asshole, life and death. That's what happens. And so. Well, you know, you, you shouldn't show, uh, you know, a little a little baby, uh, you know, die. Well, they die every day uh, just because somebody caught it on camera and I happen to want to watch that. 
That's my business. I do that in my house. I didn't say I was going to kill your kid. I didn't say, you know, but that, that, that's where the religious right take all that kind of stuff. They start inferring things. And uh, I, I, I don't, you know, my attitude is if, if I'm going to put it out there, it kind of that whole thing about the bootleg thing. I'm going to put it out there because it's pretty much the only place you're going to see this stuff, especially in the in, in the context that all you're seeing for 60, you know, for 75 minutes to 90 minutes is an onslaught of blood, guts and gore, death. That's what you're going to see. And it's going to be shoved down your throat and, you know, you're going to get an ensemble beating uh, on your eardrums with the death metal soundtracks to it. So, you know, nothing's nothing's off the table for me. No, haven't seen it yet. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Uh, uh, you are you are an icon and someone who's just that. definitely change changing the the genre and the community for uh, for the better. And uh, I really appreciate that I got to sit down and talk with you. So. Absolutely. It was great, man. Thank you for taking the time and thanks for having me on. No problem. Thanks, man. Have a good one. All right. We'll talk later. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Uneasy Terrain Explorers Club. If you're interested in checking out my other work, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, Cinema's Underbelly, where I analyze and review obscure, obscene, and controversial cinema, as well as check out my label, Putrid Productions. Until next time, This is the Uneasy Terrain Explorers Club.